Welcome back to the Gamma Ray Livestream. Greetings and welcome to Dead for Filth. I'm your host, Michael Verratti, and we are here live at Comic-Con, presented by Skybound and in association with my friends at Reverie. Uh, for those of you who don't know about Dead for Filth, we are the podcast for all things queer horror and beyond. Uh, so what's that mean? Well, we're about to tell you. Uh, I'm joined here today by two amazing filmmakers in the genre space, Erlinger Torridsen, who comes to us from Iceland. His film Rift made its rounds on the festival to much acclaim uh, last year on the circuit. And Jacqueline Chesson, whose feature film Shock Attack is one that is near and dear to my heart and uh, brought some electricity back to the world of indie yes. cinema. Uh, I'd like to start this show the same way I start the podcast, uh, and it's simply this, with the question that brought you here. Why horror? Why do you love the horror genre? What, what brings you to this world? And you're you next. Wanna start me? Um, okay, I'll go first. I think for me, horror was always um, it was kind of the, like the, the thing that you weren't supposed to, you know, look at. It was kind of the forbidden fruit in a way. It was something that, like, from a very early age, I felt kind of attracted to. I think mostly because I wasn't supposed to be watching it. Right. Um, and. Um, yeah, I just started. I started started watching like horror movies way too early, and then I just kind of stuck with it, and here I am. <laughs> well, yeah, it brought you all the way here to San Diego. Exactly. I think <laughs> I think that's something I discovered recently too. Is it was definitely the forbidden fruit, or you know, something that it's a little edgy, especially for women to like horror movies. So there's definitely an, an appeal there for sure. Um, but yeah, I've just always been drawn to it, even though I'm terrified half the time, especially when I was younger. I was very terrified of horror movies. Uh, still now, sometimes. And, um, but yeah, it's just something I always fell into when I started my filmmaking career. I fell in with the Butcher Brothers and um, kind of got to see how they did, did their thing and, and just really fell in love with the genre even more. Well, before we get into the queer of it all, I'm very interested in something that you said, that uh, there's this perception that horror isn't necessarily for women. Why do you think that is, and why do you think there's a resistance in genre circles? I don't know. I think maybe um, for a little bit, it, maybe there weren't as many women that were interested in the genre that, mm -hmm. that could be part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just people don't assume that women like dark stuff. You know, it's romantic comedies, and which I find sometimes more horrific than horror movies. So, yeah, it, even like comic books and, and stuff like that, when I would go to the booths, People want to direct you straight to like the you know the fluffy stuff, and it's like no, I, I'm interested over here. You know, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is. But it's interesting because you know living in this space and working in this space as genre filmmakers, directors, screenwriters, one of the things that we find when you dig into the genre, despite despite the outside world's perceptions of it, is so many people who are maybe not the type of people that the world thinks horror fans are. LGBTQ people, women, people of color, people who live uh, sort of like outside of the cis, white, straight, male spectrum. There are so many of us working in horror and creating genre. And that kind of leads us to what the core of Dead for Filth is all about. And it's the fact that Dead for Filth has always been about the intersection of queer identity and horror. And there are a lot of different routes where uh, we've discussed how you know, horror is representative of otherness and who understands other more than LGBTQ people. But I'm wondering for artists uh, and, and how you came to your art, if you feel your queer identity and in, in, uh, inspired your interest in horror at all. Yeah, I think, you know, like what you said, like I feel like horror is kind of like the, you know, the, the bastard stepchild of like films in general. And it's like there's some, there's kind of a danger attached to it. And I think as queer people, you know, you know we feel like outsiders pretty, you know, kind of 
early on in our lives, and there is this sort of representation in horror films, like they kind of, you know, whether it's the the monster itself or whether it's uh, sometimes it's the hero. Like I feel like they kind of put the um, they put up upon a pedestal the uh, kind of the, the the different side of life. Like they, you know, we we're seeing stuff in these films that we don't really see in everyday life, and that's kind of how we feel anyway. So I think we latch onto a lot of that. Like, it's, it's a fantasy in a lot of ways. Sure. I think also we get to challenge a lot of things, a lot of what's going on. It's all kind of, whether it's hidden in the message or the monster, or it's, you know, right up front in, in the horror genre, it's kind of no holds bar. You get to just really say what you want, you know, do what you want, whatever it is, you really get to challenge, you know, what's going on culturally. Right. Um, and it, it kind of does give a voice to, to the people that maybe feel like they don't have it otherwise. No, and I think it's true about the horror genre and really like any genre that exists outside of the, the normal world. Sci-fi and fantasy fall into this as well, is that when genre material is done right, it can be utilized to say things that maybe we don't, have the opportunity to say otherwise. The monster can be representative of something. Or the fact that, you know, Jason only attacks the popular kids, but it's the tomboy or the outsider who survives because we are the survivors. And I think that, uh, you know, there is the notion that people go to see horror movies to be scared, but I think when you live on the outside, we go to them because we, we look for solace. Wes Craven uh, famously said that people don't go to horror movies for fear, they go for catharsis. And I think there's probably truth in that, yeah. especially for queer people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and speaking of that, like, I think uh, it's also like, you know, the, uh, like living vicariously through like what we see, like, you know, that, that idea of catharsis comes very strongly through. Like, and I feel like there's, especially for queer people, we don't see ourselves represented in, in so many, you know, normal types of genres. Right. So um, I think we kind of, we get that through, uh, whether we're, we see ourselves as the heroes or the villains in the horror movies, we mm -hmm. kind of get that kind of, that thing with, that we don't see in other types of films. Well, there is something interesting to be said, especially about the early monster movies, the universal monster movies. When you really look at the trajectory of a lot of the monsters, with the exception of Dracula, who's like a legitimately bad guy, most of the monsters are actually just misunderstood by society. And you like, I feel for them. Like, they just want to be loved. Yeah. They all just want to be loved. That's what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, we're here at Comic-Con, which is, of course, a pop culture behemoth. And one of the things about being here is everything, if you are passionate about it, is right in front of you, as well as 150,000 other people. But uh, what have you been excited about in the genre space lately? Whether it's something you saw here or like a movie you saw recently, what's like lighting the fire to keep you in, in the world of the ooky and spooky? Mm. Well, I, I've been drawn to a lot of comedy horror lately, and it, it, I spoke about this before, but how I'm really sad Ash vs. Evil Dead has now left us. Um, but I was watching that like crazy and, and have kind of been re-watching it, too. Um, I'm really excited to hear about what we do in the shadows kind of continuing on as well. Mm -hmm. um, as far as here, there's a, few, there's a few things going on, which is, is super exciting, and also um, even Buffy 
Yes. We just found out about. Just right before we came and sat on the couch, we were uh, peeking at our Twitter feed, and we saw via The Hollywood Reporter that it has been announced that Buffy is coming back uh, with Joss Whedon's blessing with an inclusive cast uh, and uh, showrunner Monica Breen. We're very excited about it. I like excited. the idea. The word inclusive really excites me. I think that the time is now. The time was 20 years ago, but like we better make it happen now. So. Yeah, definitely. Cabin in the Woods is the best. We see you live stream. I love Cabin in the agree. Woods yes. so much. <laughs> and the monsters do just want love. That's true. That's true. I'm 100% there for that. Um, for me, I think like uh, you know, um, one thing that I love, especially about horror, you know, horror is kind of cyclical, and I feel like horror movies that maybe did not get their kind of fair share of attention at you know at their time when they came out um, are you know 10 years later, 20 years later, whatever time later, are kind of like um, uh, catching on now. So you know, like when I go to see whatever like Scream Factory is putting out or. Right. Or, you know, um, like, you know, you see these people putting out T-shirts with films like, um, you know, Event Horizon or, you know, In the Mouth of Madness or whatever. It's like, you know, these films that came out when I saw them like 20 years ago and they, you know, yeah, maybe like horror, horror fans kind of caught on to them. But like, but then now they're like become these cult classics. I, I kind of love seeing, you know, coming to a place like this and seeing how big they've gotten. Yeah, they were, the they're years. kind of seeping into the con a little yeah. bit. Like you're, yeah. you're seeing more and more booths and more and more movies and, and we're seeing a lot more horror kind of in, at Comic-Con in general, I feel like. Well, there's interesting, and something just sort of occurred to me uh, about sort of the relationship between the, uh, the queer community and the idea of the attraction to horror is we bandy about the term cult film a lot. And what does cult really mean? It's a community. The idea that a community has grown up around a film that you have to kind of like find your people who also enjoy this. And it exists like outside, not just horror. Like I remember when I went and saw Josie and the Pussycats in the theater when it came out in two 2001, and I was the only one there. And then, like a decade later, I went and saw it at uh, the Ace Hotel in Hollywood, and there was like a thousand people <laughs> because we had all been waiting to find the people who loved this movie. And that's really what it's all about. And I think, in a similar way, LGBTQ people, when we are first coming out, maybe we're in our small towns, we're looking for the other people who are looking for the things that we want. And so there's like an entertainment parallel, and that might be like a big leap, but I don't know that it is. Or, or am I just like uh, far afield? No, I think, I think there's like, there's this thing like, uh, like perseverance. Like we, you know, we go through all the, you know, these hardships, we, we, you know, we stick through it hopefully, you know, and, and kind of come like at the end of it, we come um, out of it as better people. And, you know, like, I mean, this is like a, a bad, analogy but like I feel like with with horror films like they you know there are so many examples of horror films that come out at their you know when they when they are released they get you know awful reviews they are not kind of uh, appreciated you know at that moment but right. they but they have some sort of like staying power uh, there's something about them that kind of um, lives through the years and uh, and I think that you know like a good good cult film that's that's what they do like that there's something about them that, that you um, as an audience, you know, it, it, it connects to you in a way. Right. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. takes a certain it it takes a certain type of audience to appreciate some of these movies that we all love, and I think some people find it later on um, because it doesn't have the studio advertisement or it doesn't have the big backing or the, you know the numbers right off the opening weekend. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's where you know 
eventually people find it, and cult classics a lot of times just have, right. have the standing power, and it's because the, the fandom and the audience really, really back yeah, it. Yeah, there's something genuine about them. There's well, something honest about them. It's genuine because it's a, it's, a, it's a specific connection, and what I like about cult films is not everybody likes them. Like, if everybody and their dad loved killer clowns from out of space, outer space, it would just be boring. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like the idea that you're liking something that maybe someone else is, like, appalled by. There's yeah. something sort yeah. of fun yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. Are you excited for the Meg, the live screen asks. Absolutely. Killer shark films are always something I'm for. And I'm Gatham for Jason Statham, so I'm always ready for more of that kind of action. Uh, so, speaking of things uh, that we love and that we get excited for, uh, we're talking about how horror movies uh, are part of our genesis as artists, but what are some specific films that like really inspire you and that you uh, were formative to your horror movie milieu? Um, for me, um, I like I usually when I get asked like what are my f what are my favorite horror films like I I start with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, you know, I can you know I'm a child of the '80s. Uh, you know I feel like A Nightmare on Elm Street is kind of like the the seminal slasher movie. It kind of it's not the first one. It's not like but but it took like it took like that formula and and added like you know this layer of surreal surrealism mm -hmm. upon it. Um, that made it super interesting. Uh, so you know, that's that's one of my favorites. It's also just like a fucking scary movie. It is. I don't um, know. If we're, are we allowed to swear? Are, here? We're know. doing it now. Welcome <laughs> to Dead for Filth. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and um, so, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Then I would go back to like the Italian horror cinema. Yeah. So, like Suspiria is, is is a big favorite. Like Argento, all of that stuff. I love like these kind of extreme, extremely colorful, extremely kind of extravagant right. uh, horror films. And then I think the third one that I would mention is uh, The Innocents. Oh, The Innocents. That's, yeah. a, that's a really great film. With Deborah Carr. Deborah yeah. Carr uh, from 1961, I think, or 60. Uh, Get your black and white movie education viewers. Yes. It's absolutely an outstanding horror film, and you can see its echoes all throughout cinema. One of the most beautiful movies ever made. Yeah. Um, so like a perfect, you know, gothic ghost story. I, I, you know, for Shock Attack, I was, I was definitely inspired by going back to Jaws and, and hearing about all the stories and what they did with that, because it was on the water as well. Um, so I, I, I love Jaws. I have a fun place in my heart for it now. But I do also love Evil Dead and kind of when you hear the stories about how they made it and all the different things they did, you know, to make it and the different contraptions before we had all these wonderful camera toys. Um, there, you know, I, I just, I'm loving that franchise right now. Uh, and then, you know, going back to like the birds and Vertigo and, and some of those and the tension building. I think now especially everything's so quick and jump cutty and, and it's nice to go revisit some of those old classics where they really take their time, you know. Build it up. Yeah. Absolutely. And I really, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I remember the first, the very first time I saw The Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead, uh, I bought it on VHS. That's how old I am. Uh, and uh, I watched it, like, I, I waited until everybody in my house was, like, <laughs> asleep. And then I put it, you know, into my VCR. And uh, I was too afraid to, like, keep it locked. So, like, I, I you know, I, I watched it with, like, almost no right. volume on, but it, freaked me out so much uh, and even like and and it's you know now when I watch it it's it's kind of it's you know it, it really 
you know, it's almost like comedy. Yeah, yeah, know? it's very campy, which it's is why, yeah. Yeah. yeah As someone who's firmly committed to living in metropolitan areas, I just think horror movies present a strong case of why we shouldn't engage with wilderness too much. Yes, uh, and yes, Evil yes. Dead is one of those. But no, I think uh, Evil Dead brings us to a really good point in discussion because one of the things that happens in the space of uh, horror movies is because we're sort of the black sheep of the film industry, a lot of times we have to go out there and do it ourselves. We have to make things happen because studios or networks don't want to engage with us until there's a, a level of success in the indie sphere. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to kind of make $100 out of a penny. And Evil Dead is a, f a prime example of how Sam Raimi, with no money, reinvented camera techniques and went out into the woods with a group of college friends and made this movie that they are still trying to replicate Today. Today. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the questions that I frequently get asked about uh, existing in the world of horror is, what do you recommend? What should I do? What's your advice? And so for you both who have been through the indie trial by fire, what would you say to young filmmakers or screenwriters or producers or editors who want to get into this world uh, and, and just make something happen? Well, I mean, I, I always say just go make it, but, you know, be responsible about it. You can make a movie with your iPhone. Should you? I don't know. Those, they're getting better, though. That's true. Right. But, but there's so much equipment at your disposal. But there's so many people that have the equipment at your disposal. It's like go out there, find those people. There's a lot of supportive people out there who want to just make fun, interesting, something they haven't seen before movies. And, you know, just get out there and, and do it. And that's kind of what I did with Shock Attack. We pulled together a little bit of money. We bought some equipment, and we just went out and had a, had a blast. Yeah. yeah, and I would say the same. You know, like, if, if you're not convinced of, uh, of doing it, like, you can't convince anybody else. You, it has to start with you. Um, be committed to your vision, um, which also means have a vision. You know, have, Absolutely. you know, be super, um, you know, when you're writing your script, just make sure, like, this is what you want to do and that this is good enough to spend months, weeks, Lots months, years, years of your life uh, <laughs> to do. Um, and, and then, you know, once you are, uh, have, you know, convinced yourself, once you're committed to it, you know, just don't look back. Just, you know, Go through it, do it, um, convince other people to do it with you, and, uh, and and it'll be great. And by the way, Tangerine was a movie, and it, it was yeah, a, it was a well done movie. Yeah. But they did have a whole lot of equipment with that little iPhone that made it. Uh, you know, that, that helped with some of the technical aspects yes. of that. So what Jacqueline is referencing is someone on live stream, when we were talking about shooting a movie on an iPhone, iPhone. referenced Tangerine as a film. And I did want to pop in and comment on that as well. Because at the top of this uh, segment, we talked a little bit about the power of indie film and like utilizing it at, to speak to power and make messages that you're not otherwise seeing. And whether you agree with the fact that Sean Baker shot Tangerine on an iPhone or not, the fact is he was not seeing quality trans representation on film. And so what he did was with the resources he did, had, was went out and made a movie that then got nominated for an Oscar. So, you know. It was a really good story. Yeah. It had great acting. So then the technical side, you know, you, you do the best that you can with right. it. But that just make sure you have, you know, that trifecta, like, of, of the, the story, the talent, and the, the technical. Just kind of make sure you have as, as many of those bases covered as possible. But then just, yeah, get it out there. Get it out into the world. There's so many ways to do it now. Yeah. Right. I think at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about the format that your product is made on. 
because we now live in an era where, with digital, as you're seeing, provides us so many platforms creatively. We can create stuff for streaming, for theaters, for like audio. It's more so just make sure you have a good story. Yeah. And make sure that you take the time to tell a good story because not only is there now a place for it, but it's going to live forever. So do it, do it right and do it often. Uh, that's what I think. You know, uh, the one thing about Dead for Filth as an ongoing series is I get to sit with wonderful creators and talk about their journey and tell their stories. Uh, and uh, it's usually very indebted to the world of horror and the genre. But I can't be at San Diego Comic-Con and not just dig into the pop culture of it all. Uh, and so I have to ask, just with the world of comic books and pop culture, uh, what are what are your superhero loves? Would you do you get into the world of comic books? Superhero loves. Well, I I am super geeky for Winona Earp right now, which is actually doing all their stuff today. Um, I I just love the show. It's super fun. Uh, it's a really strong female character lead. It does have the queer representation. It, it has some good represent representation overall. Um, so that that's the one I'm super geeking out about right now. Um, I've always loved Catwoman. I I, right. I love Catwoman and, and that whole universe. Catwoman um, just uh, got married or is getting married to Batman, right? That's what I yeah. That's what yeah. I saw. I don't know how I feel about that. I know. Yeah. I just always thought Batman was going to marry one of the Robins at some point. But maybe is yeah. it a controversial statement? I don't know. They're all a type. Black hair, blue eyes. We see you, Bruce. We see you. Uh, my favorite Batman movies were always the Tim Burton ones. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is forever. She's the best. She's my Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, in terms of like um, comic books and stuff, like for me, um, it wasn't necessarily like the superheroes. Like I, I really loved like Black Hole as a graphic novel. Uh, From Hell, I thought was a masterpiece. Um, I do. There's like a, there's this one Batman comic that I do not remember. This is like an Icelandic translation from like years and years ago about like Batman like um, going through this like like mansion of like um, there's just like all these traps around. Like this is like I think I know the one. It was a Dave McKean artwork. Maybe. I think it was very like surreal. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just remember like remembering like you know, these images from that, but, like, I don't even know what it was necessarily. But, like, right. definitely striking images. Um, so, yeah. one One thing I will say about Batman Returns is I think that Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman introduced a whole generation of uh, little gay boys to drag queens before we even knew <laughs> oh, yes. they were. Because that is a drag character, 100%. For sure. Uh, so, we are almost out of time. I did notice that someone said, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, OTP. I couldn't agree more. I'm a Midnighter and Apollo kind of guy, but I love to see two villains hooking it up together. It's just <laughs> how it is. Um, what's uh, next for both of you in the world of projects? Uh, for me, I'm going to be DPing on something called Passage. Uh, it's a great web series, a queer web series that's going to be happening. Uh, we'll be shooting it later in October. Uh, it's also crowdfunding right now, so come support if you'd like. Um, and then I have a web series that's happening called POV, and that's one I'm directing, and um, it's a horror anthology, so I'm really excited about that one. Cool. Um, I'm working on a, a few things. Um, uh, I guess like the only thing that I can talk about is like a, a film that I'm doing in Iceland uh, that will be shooting hopefully soon-ish, <laughs> uh, based on a, 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 this crime novel. But um, but my if you want to watch my other film that came out uh, a year ago, it's called Rift. It's on Amazon Prime among other places. And where can people find you? 
Uh, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, just look up Jacqueline Chesson. It's J Chesson or J A C Chesson C H E S S E N. Um, or to and fro, T O E N F R O. It's a product, my production company that can also tell you all kinds of stuff. And I'm uh, at L I N G U R on, on most of the places. <laughs> <laughs> and I. And Michael Verratti, at Michael Verratti, that's V as in Victor, A-R-R-A-T-I. You can also find me at Dead for Filth. We also drop episodes every Friday featuring an array of crazy, ooky, spooky creators. Uh, please join us. Uh, tune in. We're out there. And I'm just happy that you took some time out of your Comic-Con schedule to see us. If you are here in San Diego watching us, I'm also going to be with these two fine people as well as a slew of other panelists tonight in room 28DE hosting the Queer Fear panel. Come and get your whole... LGBTQ spooky on, and we're ready to go. Uh, and that's all I've got for you for now. I'm Michael Verratti, yours always in Glam and Gore. This has been Dead for Phil. Thank you. Thank you.